created live on Fireside. Welcome to your next stop live. This is Juliet Hahn here live in Fireside. My guests are David Richmond and Aaron Hiley. And David is the author of Cycle of Lives. Okay. So as I was sending people, I was talking and talking, trying to help you guys behind the scenes. David's book, Cycle of Lives, but David was on your next stop podcast, which is 179. So you can go to any of the Apple, I mean, any of the podcast players, and you guys can catch David's episode. He can take you through his life and then how Cycle of Lives came about. But we're going to touch on that a little bit. But first, I would like to introduce his wife, Erin. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Aaron, I would love for you to, to just give a little background about, you know, who you are, what you do. And then, um, we're going to dive into, you know, how you supported David through this, this book and the bike ride. Sure. Um, uh, you already said my name's Aaron. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an attorney. I grew up in Los Angeles and I'm currently the chief legal officer of a pretty large health, healthcare company. Um, I've been a litigator in my spare time and my passion is mentoring youth in Los Angeles. I love that. I love that. And uh, David, could, do you guys mind sharing a little bit of how you guys met? Is that, is that PG that okay. we could talk about? <laughs> oh, sure, 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 sure. So, um, so I was about 10 years out of a very bad failed marriage and I had uh, twins, a boy and a girl that were just about entering high school, something like that, right around then. And I had a really good friend of mine who I had known for many, many years and he called me up one day, uh, a drunk dialed me on a Saturday saying, hey, you got to come over, man. We're throwing a party and I got my cousin here and you got to meet her. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. And so a couple hours later, drunker dialed me and uh, said, Man, you better get over here now. You're losing your opportunity. So I said, all right. So I, I went over to this, this party. It was, it was only about five or six people by then. And I went in reluctantly and I, and I saw Aaron and, and, uh, it was a interesting first meeting. And then we had a, a pretty good first date on a miserable second date. And, um, all due to my, my it was all me. And, um, and I just, uh, y you know, she was the first, person in my life that I dated that wasn't a train wreck or that I didn't, um, seek out to try to like fix a problem or whatever. It's like, she had her stuff together and was pretty awesome. And I was just like, well, this is the kind of woman you want. Why don't you, why don't you act differently? Why don't, why don't you, why don't you chase what you want instead of, instead of wasting time with what you don't want? And I finally just gave into it and she gave me a chance and, uh, here we are married and happy eight years later. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love it because again, bringing everyone back to episode 179, you'll get an insight of David wanting to fix and the stuff that he's, you know, gone through in his life. Um, so I love that for the first time you met someone stable and it, you know, probably felt really uncomfortable. Like, I don't know what to do with this. Oh, I had no idea. Right. I had no idea. I'm just like, man, oh man, like she doesn't need me. What? I don't, I don't need to fix anything. What? Oh my God. That was awesome. But no, she, she's amazing. So I'm very lucky. Um, so Aaron, okay. So I want to take, uh, from your perspective, since, you know, a lot of the audience probably knows David's, you know, with the cycle of lives, but when he came to you and said, I want to ride 5,000 miles across the United States to connect with these people that I have in the book, what were your initial thoughts? 
I think I had competing thoughts. I mean, first was, I don't even understand the concept of biking 5,000 miles. Like that magnitude of miles doesn't even make sense, right? How do you do that? And is this guy crazy? And then the other part was, wow, this is so amazing. You're going to bike the United States and you're going to meet these people that you've been talking to for a couple years. This sounds like an, an really amazing project and you must be a really incredible guy. <laughs> right. And so how long, how long into your first meeting did this all come about? You know, it wasn't very long into our first meeting that, that he told me about it, but the bike ride was a little ways off. He was just in the process of starting to interview people, which was an experience in itself watching him do that. Right, right. And also, I mean, I, um, when you say the second date was a disaster, was it, was it around that second date that he came up and told you this idea? <laughs> No, no, he saved it for after, after a good date. And when he felt pretty comfortable, he could let me know how crazy he was. Right. That's good. Right. You save it for a little bit and then it's like, oh, and then I have this idea. Um, well, David, if you can just take again, you know, for the listeners that are listening, we're live here on LinkedIn. We are on YouTube. Uh, we're on Twitch. If you can just kind of let everyone know. In just, you know, short, cause I want people also to go back and listen to 179. Just a little bit about, um, you know, your sister got diagnosed with, uh, brain cancer. And then when you decided to write this book and a little bit about the background. Sure. So Juliet, so, um, just at a, like a low point in my life, I'm overweight. I'm a smoker. I'm not athletic. I've got two young twins that, you know, them and I are now kind of off on our own trying to figure out who we are. They were about four years old at the time. I just decided I wanted to like stop being, um, you know, like overweight, stop being a smoker, stop self-sabotaging. And I just said, okay, what are you going to do to change your life? And I, kind of felt for the first time I had this long road ahead of me to figure out who I was going to be and what I was going to get out of life. And it was super invigorating. And at that time, almost at the same time, I got the call from my sister saying that she had um, terminal brain cancer. And, and so where my journey was endless and full of hope and inspiration and transformation and uh, discovery, at the same time, her life, which was pretty set, she was pretty happy, good family, good career, really comfortable with who she was. Her journey was going to be very short. And that kind of created a, you know, a, a you know, pretty wild dynamic where it was really eye opening on a number of different levels. And a couple of years into her journey, when it was getting close to the end for her, I really started to notice, Juliet, this dynamic of people were really good about dealing with the tasks around their cancer. Um, uh, you know, how do I get to chemo and how do I find a doctor and how do I eat better, that kind of stuff. But when it came to the emotional aspects of it, people were just not well equipped to start those hard conversations. And so I thought to myself after June died, um, like, like maybe I didn't have the answers, but I'd like to find out what people can, can give us some insight into that dynamic. Cause I was really pulled, pulled into that aspect of it. And I wanted to see if I could investigate why, why, why is it that we have a hard time having really tough discussions about the emotional side of cancer? any kind of trauma really, especially if it involves or potentially could involve death. 
um, that's when we really try to like isolate and we abandon people around those kind of conversations. So that was the genesis of the book. Um, real quick, I went off on a journey to find um, really amazing, inspirational, evocative people who had just fantastic, engaging stories, doctors, patients, loved ones, survivors, whatever. And I uh, if they bought into the idea of going as deep as we could go to answer some of those questions, like explain to us why you were able to or why you weren't able to converse with people around the emotional side by giving the reader some insight into their lives and the story and the limiters and, you know, all of those other things that maybe we might then take those lessons home. And when we come across a situation in our lives, we might be a little bit better equipped to have those conversations. So that was the, that was, that's the short version if I can. Yeah, no. And so Aaron, is that the version that he gave you? (laughs) (laughs) He gave me a longer version, but yeah, that's the version. And and, and I had the, just the concept of connecting humans through storytelling. Right. Which when David, his PR people actually contacted me. And when David and I had our first conversation, I think it was supposed to be like, you know, 15 minutes just to make sure he fit on the podcast. And I feel like we talked for like an hour and then was like, wait, 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 I need to have you on. And then I need to have you on again. And wait, I need to have you on again because I am the same way. I am so passionate about stories and people connecting with stories. And, um, it's just such it really makes people better when you relate to someone or you know someone that has gone through something. It just brings the humanity into it instead of just making it a a body. And that's what I think sometimes the world is missing, and especially with everyone being so busy. You know, I know COVID slowed things down, but then things, you know, took off in a different world. And I think more people need to listen and think and, and dive into others' stories. So that's why, I mean, David and I connected so much, but then that's also why I think when I came to him and said, listen, I want to also have Aaron on. Do you think she would, um, she would join? And, and he said, yes. But then he was like, wait, you know, take me through this. And when I explained to him why I wanted to have you on, cause I wanted to get your perspective of what it was like watching, you know, your husband go through this. And cause you, you guys met after June passed from what I understand. Right. Correct. Correct. Right. So then watching him kind of re bring all of this up. Um, that's hard. That's hard as a spouse because it's also like, okay, you're bringing, and I'm going to put words into your mouth and this is what I want you to kind of converse on, but like, okay, this is going to be hard. You're bringing up emotions. You're talking about emotional stuff. This is bringing stuff up that maybe you don't need to bring up because this is in the past. Um, so I would love for you to kind of take us through when David brought this to you. And then when it started kind of coming into fruition, you know, the thoughts and feelings you were having. Yeah. Um, it, well, when he brought it up, I, I think the, the, the crazy part was the bike ride, right? I mean, how do you get your mind around that? But really what you're talking about, the emo- that emotional journey for David, uh, that didn't really, I don't think I had a good reflection on that and, until we really went through the process because uh, David was focused on everyone else's story. And he may have said this to you before, but everyone he talked to said, my story's not interesting. And at one point I looked at David, he's like, oh, you know, the book, there's gonna be no part of me in the book. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, I don't have a story. My story's not interesting. And so what I think I saw was him exploring all of this without realizing that, that this was a part of his journey also. And it was 
it's not just telling other people's stories. It's connecting yourself in those stories. And, but I don't think that came through, uh, until he got to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Cause I mean, I listened to the book and I said to David, uh, and you know, I've shared with you earlier, Aaron, I am dyslexic. So like, I don't sit and read books. It's not like something that's fun for me. (laughs) I get like real sleepy and tired. It takes me a little, little while, but I love listening because I love stories. I mean, I'm, I'm like, it's embedded into me. It's communications and, you know, just connecting with people. And so the art of storytelling is something that I just love. So I love listening to stories. And so when David said, I always ask like a guest, you know, and I don't like to listen before. I always like to listen afterwards if, if it's something that connects me. And I said, do you have an audible? And he said, I do. And thank you for asking because, you know, the, the audible, I really put a lot of work into. It's, you know, got this great cast. And I shared with him, there was times where I was driving around my block to like finish up, uh, you know, one of the, the, the chat. Because I was so in it and so just amazed. And I loved how he intertwined his story. I think, I don't know if you guys heard me, but the beginning, the one thing on the bridge, I mean, I picture that where he had to pick the bike up and like, you know, totally could have died. And he was doing this, you know, in honor of other people. It just shows you who he is, um, you know, his heart, his mind. And it just really gave you an insight of, of the kind of person he is. So I love that you said that. And so where, you know, as you were going through it, as he started talking about the journey, were you seeing him grow as time was going, like as he was driving, you know, riding his bike across? Absolutely. And I'll start with, with when he was interviewing, David had a, I I wouldn't listen to him interviewing. Those were very private conversations, but I'd, I'd be around the house and sometimes I'd hear a question and I'd think, Oh my God, you cannot ask somebody that. Right. And I know he had to get outside of himself to, to go that deep and get that connection with people. But once we got to the bike ride, it was, I would say this was not about me and I did nothing that special, but I definitely watched him and, and had, you know, reactions and, uh, you kind of recorded what was going on in my mind and had my own feelings. It was definitely a journey for him and for, and for us. Right. And I know you said that you, you know, it wasn't part, but you supporting him, because I know he even talked about it in, you know, in the book, the times that you were there, you know, when you had to pick up the car from different locations from when a friend and, you know, you have again, a big career. So you were juggling a lot of stuff as well. And so for you to be there, I'm sure also meant that he knew that you saw him and that you supported him through that. Can you both kind of touch on that? Well, I don't know what what he saw, but in the beginning, I saw him fixing his bike in the middle of the street. I'm like, what are you doing? You're going to die. You're going to die out here. So I don't know if that gave him any awareness or if it annoyed him to no end. (laughs) Right. And it's it's equal parts um, unselfish and equal parts selfish, right? I, I really like the idea of like, I didn't want to be a storyteller. I wanted the reader to connect with these people's life stories, right? So I I really, it's a really tough thing, Juliet. Imagine anybody that's gone through something as traumatic as, uh, I don't know, suicide of a family member, drug addiction, incarceration, um, you know, super crazy health issue, like potentially cancer, losing somebody. I mean, these are heavy, heavy things. And when people were willing to 
um, uncover every aspect of it on an emotional level and share it with people so that they could be touched to bring that to their own lives. That was a heck of a burden. It's also a little bit um, unselfish, right? But it's a it's a heck of a, a burden because I have to do it right. I want to, if they're willing to show the story, I, I got to bring the story. So there was that seriousness to it. But on the other side, it's a little selfish of me. You know, I need the help. I'm taking the time away. It's like I'm making it all about me. And it's, it, you know, it's it, it, part of it is like, oh, I don't want the help. And part of it is I really want the help because I feel guilty for asking you to give up everything for my little thing. And, it, you know, so there's a lot of aspects of it. But thankfully, um, Aaron was not judgy at all. Maybe the first day. <laughs> I, I, oh yeah. The, he didn't tell me, he didn't prepare me at all. All right. The first day he stopped, he's on the, on the five, we're still in California and he just hands me some bottles. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like I have my nails done. I like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> But, but it went from, from day to day. I got used to that really quickly, but I have to say I alternated between days where I would be almost crying with, I don't know if if it was pride or just emotion that a human being would be going through the things that he and you know his son went with him in the beginning that they would go through and just the physical exertion for this really altruistic and beautiful cause to some days being like what are you doing what is wrong with you i, I cannot be with you like <laughs> uh, well i pushed it a couple i pushed it really hard and uh, to have her, to have someone in my life that actually cared about me and didn't, wasn't like saying they cared or what, I mean, she really cared about me. I, there were a couple of days where I, I definitely pushed the limits of what I should have been doing. Um, and, uh, we had a couple of minor little battles over that, but, um, but I had, I had to keep going and I, I, I you know, I, I had a, a daily mission to accomplish and, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop doing that. And, um, you know, that, that caused a little bit of friction, but it also caused a little bit of understanding that, you know, sometimes you don't have to understand, you just have to be there. Right. And I mean, I think, you know, just as I'm like, just smiling, picturing the whole thing, because again, you guys cycle of lives is the book. Uh, it's right here in the scroll. You can see, you can go to David Dash, uh, Dash, oh my God, I can't even say Dash Richmond <laughs> and you can get the the book. It is it's one of the best books. And I, again, said this to David, like I am not someone that, you know, takes things lightly. I don't give people praise where they don't deserve praise, but I was impressed. I connected with every single one of his characters, but not only every single one of the, I shouldn't say characters, but every one of the, the, the people in the, in the books, every chapter, but I also connected with David because you saw what David was going through. And then people like Aaron, that's why I wanted to have Aaron on just knowing, okay, there's these people behind that are supporting him. I need to know them as well, because I want to know about their stories. I want to know about what, you know, continued to push you guys to do this. And it just, it's such a beautiful thing. And and knowing David, again, going to back to 179, you guys can listen to that, hearing about who he is and his upbringing and, you know, the, the kind of person that really he leaves with his heart. I mean, it's, it's very apparent in all of this. It just fascinated me. And so you did a really good job at building and, and, and sharing those stories of those people and each individual person. As I said to you, there was times where I was driving and my mouth would be, I'd be crying. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I shared it with so many. Every time I'd be like, who can I share this with? Who can I share this? Everyone needs to hear this or, or read this book. 
That's really a sweet, Julia. And thank, thank you for the con- And also, thank you for taking the time. I mean, there's a million sources of content out there. And for you to take some time for this is really, it's really touching. So thank you. Well, I relate to that the comment that you made. And I am not. The first book he gave me, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't read those kind of books. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I do. But I, you know, I spent a lot of time editing and, and, and really working on it. And I pride myself. I, you know, if my friends saw me cry reading. They would laugh. They'd say, who are you? And his, those, like that story of Bobby just brought me to tears when it wasn't even the finished product. So I, it's hard for me. I'm right. It's my spouse. It's my husband. Um, but I do agree with you. No, right. Go ahead, David. Yeah. I was just going to say, and, and who listening, who there's not a single person alive, at least that I've ever run across that doesn't have some bit of understanding of how lonely and isolating it is post and during trauma and and who doesn't understand that idea of i don't know what to say like so sometimes we think we say the wrong thing sometimes we avoid people because we don't want to say the wrong thing sometimes it's just it's a very very tough we've never run across anybody who doesn't doesn't have that situation and one time we i think we're in texas or something and i was upstairs trying to take a nap after like a 12-hour day while aaron was grabbing some food down in the lobby and she was taking forever and i'm like oh my god i'm so cranky because i'm so hungry (laughs) what's going on and finally she showed up and I'm ready to go like, what the hell, man? Why, why did it take so long? I'm ready to do that. And she comes out and she's almost crying. And she's like, you know, I was down in the lobby waiting for food. And this woman walked up and we were both t- uh, small talking. And then it got to what, what you're doing. And she looked at me and said, uh, this is Aaron talking. She, she looked at me and said, you know, I had a friend uh, today at work whose son, four-year-old son was diagnosed with cancer. She goes, I don't know what the heck to say to her. Mm-hmm. And Aaron's like talking to her back and forth, back and forth. And so every single day, every person that we ran into had some touch point to this idea that what the heck do we say? Like, like how do we deal with people on an emotional level that are going through something that we just can't understand? Right. And I mean, how many times am I've done it? And I've actually, since I've read your book, I've caught myself or like stopped myself and been like, I'm sorry. Like when you say to someone, Hey, how you doing? And you know that they just lost a spouse or they're going through something, you know that they're not doing well, but you don't know what to say. And so sometimes you change it to how you're doing today or how are you doing at this moment? How are you feeling right now? And to make it a little bit more, you know, it, but it's hard because right. People don't want to get uncomfortable. You don't want someone to feel bad. And I remember just recently, um, a classmate of my son's, his father passed away unexpectedly. And I said to them, just mention, just say, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. And they both were like, we don't, we don't really know him. It would be weird if we said that. And I'm like, it's weird if you don't say anything. It's weird yeah. if you don't say anything. And I, you know, go ahead, Aaron. I have a friend. Um, I, I met him when I started college, uh, early nineties, and he's, he's got a pretty tough situation and, and a kid that's got a, a pretty rare disease. And he found out about it late. And I looked at David, this is after the bike ride. This is after editing his book. This is after everything I learned. And I've known this guy for, you know, what, 20, 20 plus years. And he said, and I said, you know, I really want to call him and see, you know, how things are going. Do you think I should do that? And he's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> what do I say? He goes, say hi, ask him how he's doing. <laughs> right. Right. It's cause- so hard. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to invade people's personal space. Right. And, and there's just, there's all these dynamics. I mean, and I found that 
that just giving people a safe space to answer a question that they know is authentic. Honest to gosh, last night we were at an event and after the event, there was an after party and we were, we, we, I was waiting for, for, for the bartender, pour a glass of wine. And this, this woman and her daughter were sitting there and we started some small talk and they were there celebrating, uh, the recent uh, celebrating the recent passing of her dad. Uh, and her mom had just preceded him in death by a, a few months and they've been married for 52 years. And I, and I, my old me would have been like, what the hell are you doing telling me this? And how can I exit this conversation as quickly as possible? And then the, maybe the more in tune me would have went, Oh, that's, that's a sweet story. That's sad. And then I would have walked away going, what the hell was I supposed to say to that? But I just leaned in and I looked at her and I go, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Were you close to your dad? And she started going off about this stuff and growing up and how, you know, they were married for 52 years and they got to meet all the grandkids and what a great life they had. And she's so thankful for it. And, oh, my gosh, why am I telling a stranger this? And I, I was like, <laughs> isn't that cool, like, that you gave somebody a safe space to regurgitate their emotions about something that's so difficult that they would have kept bottled up if I hadn't had the fortune to know that I could lean in and ask like, Oh my gosh, were you close? Cause sometimes Juliet, that question also releases emotion. I was talking to someone who <laughs> she goes, yeah, you know, one of the hardest things I'm going through right now is I'm taking care of my mom. Um, as, as, you know, uh, I'm her care caregiver. She, she's in hospice. And I go, Oh my God, that must be tough. And he, she goes, yeah, because my wish in life is just that she dies before I do. And gosh, and I'm going through a lot of health issues myself. I don't want to die first. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's harsh. But at least it gave her a safe space to talk about. Right. Right. Say, say, man, I'm I'm taking care of my mom. I just hope she dies before I do. (laughs) Right. But it's honest and it's truthful. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, people need to be, you know, I mean, sometimes people are too honest and too truthful in, in other situations, but when it comes to trauma, that is something that, you know, and death that is important. You know, it, it always, we've had some friends that, you know, their spouse or kids or someone has suffered for a long period of time or a parent. And you have them say afterwards, there's a bit of relief. And I feel terrible that I have that relief, but it's that they're not suffering anymore and that we're not going through what, and, and it's like a guilt for them, but it's also very natural. It's a natural thing. And the more people talk about it and the more people bring it to light and, and make it real, it's okay to feel that way. That's part of what you're going through. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm relieved. I'm sad, but I'm relieved. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people go through that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's, uh... Yeah. The, the, the good thing too, is that, you know, when you're dealing with something this heavy, what's really nice is to know that at least somebody out there cares, somebody understands or is attempting to understand. And, you know, before Aaron came along, I, 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 I wouldn't have believed that, you know, cause we, we, I didn't have a safe, safe space to talk to somebody about those kind of heavy issues. And I mean, that, that really, I mean, at the end of our lives, isn't that what we wanted? That we were, that we, that we had deep connections, that we were able to be understood and that somebody gave us a chance to understand them. And, uh, so it was, it, it was many aspects of it. And, and even though with some of the stories, uh, and some of the people that they, we, they moved on and our relationship is, is long over some I'm still very close to, it, it was a time where 
two humans could understand each other at such a deep level and for such a good reason to uncover, you know, this emotion, you know, the, 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 the truth behind the, the emotions of this issue that I think that's what makes it special is that like we, we got each other. We, we, you know, their story mattered and, and, and right. That was- and that you heard them. I mean, there's so many things, you know, we, I think we talked about this before. There's like, you know, there's listening and then there's really hearing. And sometimes people don't really hear. And, and what you did is you brought these stories where people can hear them. So I do want to bring it. Erin, did you have something you wanted to add to that? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to bring it to the, the book and talk about some of the chapters. And then I know we'll, we'll stay on for about 10 more minutes. Is that okay with your guys time? Sure. Are you sure? Okay. Um, and cause I want, I know we started late and you know, all that stuff. So I don't want to, I don't want to continue. And then you guys be rushed off and have to, to run to meetings. I appreciate your guys time. But so Aaron, was there, and I know you talked about Bobby, but was there any other chapter or, or we'll start there. Any other chapter that, um, and you know, person that really touched you that you were surprised about? Well, one in particular, and it was the one on Terry. I went to high school with her. I played basketball with her and I had no idea some of the things that she was going through, which kind of is an irony because it's a little bit the point of the book. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was very, um, shocking to me and, and a little emotional, like, you know, was, I, I wasn't the best teammate, the best, the best friend I could be. And wow, you know, just pay, pay attention more in life. Um, so, so that hit me, uh, kind of personally. Uh, but I think there was some, a few stories that had kind of a, for lack of a better word, my, mystical aspect and the commonality of that in a random group of people, I, I think, was pretty shocking, right? Jen, I'm not going to you know give it away, but Jen's the end of Jen's story, mm-hmm. um, the situation uh, with uh, with Deborah. well Deborah, right? Um, with the oh yeah, uh, yeah. with the with the her struggle with with religion, and then um, the Chicago yeah the butterf- Chica- butterflies, the butterflies, yeah, butterflies, that, right? Crazy, right? Cr- crazy stuff. And you and you can touch on that a little bit because that's not going to give it away. It's also going to have people want to listen, you know, listen or read again. Cycle of lives, it, you will be blown away. So I mean, with Deborah, right? You've seen movies and 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 and, and we we hear people talk about a pact with the devil. I've never known anyone that's actually made a pact with the devil, right? And and this right. is an actual thing that she did and, and that she believed she did. And I, I would I would chalk it up to oh she believed she did until you get until you get to the end. And and you're like, uh, oh my God, you made a pact with the devil. Are you kidding me? Um, right. what, that is was just an unbelievable. And then I mean the butterflies uh, I don't know who hasn't gone through life and seen some coincidence in, in nature or something and thought, wow, uh, th- how could that not be somebody talking to me or giving me a message? And this was a tangible experience that people had with these butterflies and their, their sister and their mom and their, and their wife. And it was so beautiful. Yeah. So, so, beautiful. so let me talk to a uh, super add to, to Aaron's uh, explanation of Deborah. So super quick is she, she's a very healthy woman, very athletic, a great life, whatever. And she gets uh, breast cancer and, 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 you know, potentially it could spread and, 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 and kill her. 
And all she wants to do is live long enough to see her kids uh, out of the house. That's all she wants. And so she is deeply religious. Mm -hmm. And she, like Aaron said, believes like she just made a pact with the devil. She walked out of the church one day. Uh, very after the, her diagnosis and I looked down on the ground and said, okay, you got me like, like, uh, you could take me, you have my soul forever. Just give me 10 years. And, uh, as the 10 years started approaching, it hit her. Holy crap. I made this pact with the devil. I've survived. My kids are getting ready to go. 10 years is up. And what happens to her in this? And she didn't want to tell me the story because she knows I'm not overly spiritual. We, we had talked about it ahead of time. And she goes, I don't think I want to share the story with you because I only share it with a few people and I don't think you'll believe me. And, right. and I said, oh, give, give me a shot. I'll, I'll believe you. And, and I, and I told her a story that maybe uh, cut the ice for why she might be able to, why I might, you know, she might think that I could believe her. And when she told me this story, I mean, it, it still gives me chills. I'm like, me too. Wow. It, How did I, it, like, what? Yeah, yeah, it was insane because I, so I am very spiritual. And so I also, you know, and have kids. And so I kind of put myself into her situation as I was listening to that. I was like, what, you know, what would I do in, in that? And so I put myself and I think in a lot of the, the, and I don't want to call them characters. What do you call them? I, I call them book participants. <laughs> okay. Bro, okay. Bro, Cause I don't want to say characters cause they're real people, the book participants. I put myself in a lot of times in their shoes. And I don't know if everyone does that, but I kind of always do that. That's how I live. Like, I'll be like, okay, what would I do in that situation? And I just remember being so blown away by that because I was like, wow. Like, and you know, you knew that she believed so deeply and that this was something you know, that she was like, okay, I, I gave myself to the devil because I just want those 10 years. And I was like, that is so deep and so powerful. And you could feel that she just wanted to have those, that time with her kids. And I can completely understand that, completely understand that, um, which I think many people can. So I was, again, that was like, I got, was so blown away by that. Yeah. Thank you. And then you just mentioned, you know, uh, in, you know, put, you put people, you, you want to put yourself in their shoes. The last story, right. It's called a mile in her shoes that, mm -hmm. that, about Dieppe. And, and if you would have met Dieppe, you would say, well, you could still meet her. That's a real name. <laughs> right. um, but if you were to meet Dieppe, um, you would have no idea the depth of what she had gone through escaping Vietnam. The, As a kid. Oh. You didn't know. You knew her I, for a long time. I knew, I knew her for years and didn't even know. I had no idea. Uh, last, you know, one of the last barges out of Vietnam, the, the night Saigon fell, you know, the, the mass discrimination that her and her family experienced, um, uh, the rough times that she had, then to put herself through medical school, become a doctor, become a physician, become an OG, OBGYN. And she walked around as happy as could be. But when she had was forced to stop uh, practicing medicine because of her own health issues and her fear that her tumors would turn uh, cancerous, um, you, you, you just, when you spent a mile in her shoes to realize um, the emotional depth of what she was going through, it just, like I felt like exactly what you said. You want to put these and you want to feel like yeah. to be them so you can understand them. And that way you might be able to better relate to them. Right. And we right. say that, but like you can't get, you can't get somebody by, by hanging out with them even for a few years sometimes, unless you can walk a mile in their shoes. And that's right. what the stories all do is allow us to really 
walk in their shoes, you know? Yeah. And then the other one was, um, and right. That one blew me away too. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, just the amount of things that this woman has been through. Like when is enough's enough? Right. And when you are spiritual, it's like, okay, you know, God gives you what you can handle. I truly believe that. But then some people just get so much and they just get banged down and banged down and banged down. And it's like, Oh my gosh. The other one was, um, the woman, oh, and this one, like, it killed me. It killed me. Cause again, I, you know, with kids and stuff, the one that had all the boys that lost the daughter and then, um, had the little girl and then thought she was going crazy. And it turned out to be a, a brain tumor that I was, I mean, I was hysterical. I mean, I was hysterical because I was like, Oh my gosh, they finally, I mean, every chapter and every book participant, Really, their story was so powerful and so many different pivots and turns. And I, you know, I, David and I've talked about this and I know I'm going off on a tangent for a second, but so many times when it's your own story, you don't think it's that, that big of a deal. I've had people say to me like, Oh, that, you know, like your story. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, mm-hmm stories like so compared to like some of these other stories what are you talking about i'm pretty normal like i'm really a normal person but there's things that happen to me that someone else thinks is wow because it didn't happen to them right and 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 they're like oh you were you were dyslexic school school was hard you played two sports in college you got you know you were on the honor roll in college realizing later that you you know you were smart and all you know different pivots yes there's like interesting things but some of these people like that woman's story um, I mean, just, you know, brought me to tears. It brought me to my knees because I was like, oh my gosh. But then the positive, like, spin on it and yeah. her positive attitude of being like, I'm not crazy. It's a brain tumor was also like, okay, I understand that too. Right. So a um, couple of thoughts real, real quick is that one, uh, at the beginning of each chapter, I asked people to uh, give me their most positive emotion from their cancer yes, journey. I love that emotion from their cancer journey. And the person that referred that, that story to me said, Oh, I got this friend, you know, she's, she's near the end of her life. I, I didn't get to talk to her, but after she passed away, her husband was open to talking to me. And then I talked to her mom and sisters and whatever, but she said, you know, she, even though she's at the end of her life, she's, you know, I would say if she had a positive emotion about cancer, it'd probably be gratitude. And I go, Oh, get it the hell out of here. That's not possible. Nobody's going to be grateful for having cancer, especially cancer that kills you when you got six kids. It's not possible. And she goes, well, I think <laughs> gratitude is really where, where it's at. And so when you get into the story, which again, I, I don't presume to understand what people are going through. Nobody understands me by, by guessing. Why, why am I going to guess? And so just to be humbled by the idea. And when you know the story behind it, you believe it. It's, it's the truth. Right. But how somebody could be grateful for a situation like that, because framed the way it was and the reality of what they were going through, um, you understand how gratitude could be a part of the journey. And so, um, you know, it would it sounded so shallow to me uh, when I first understood. I'm like, no, that, that no, it's not possible. But now you really understand it. Not only is it possible, it's 100 percent believable. And that's yeah, all- and the lo- right. The love that her and her husband had and then the way it was breaking them down. I mean, I literally was like, I like on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I knew, you know, they obviously you don't talk about it and I don't want to give too much because but this is what you guys will experience in this book. So definitely go out and get Cycle of Lives. And David, this is the other beautiful thing about it. All proceeds go. So explain that, too, with the proceeds of the book. You do a better job than I do. <laughs> I, I, 
all 100% of the proceeds go to uh, cancer awareness and research uh, charities and nonprofit organizations uh, selected by the book participants. Uh, we do do special promotions with, with organizations that want to promote the book themselves, uh, but 100% of all, all profits go, um, go to these organizations. It's something we're deeply about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean, so it's like, you know, this is why I also love having these guys on because it is, it, there's a real love for the, you know, for what they, what they have done. So Aaron, I also, cause I know we're coming to the end and I know we could be on for like five hours. Um, and so I'm trying, <laughs> trying to not, I'm trying to, to not, um, go too long, but I also would love for you to give people advice when, and I know you might be laughing at this, but when someone, what you've gone through with, with, with David and this, this amazing thing that he kind of really created as the spouse, I would love for you to people that are listening right now and they maybe have an idea or maybe they're the spouse of someone that has an idea. Can you give any advice of like how to receive it? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, I think that, uh, you, that you need to receive it with, with curiosity and, and love. And, and what I mean by that is I, I really can't relate to what he did. I, I can't I put my, myself in the shoes of why you would want to do that really, or how you would come to that. But in being open and, and I had some opinions, but I tried to be a listener and a support and find out what he needed. Um, I grew through the experience and, and our relationship grew through the experience. So I, I would say being curious, I think, because I'm, I'm never going to understand it. I watched it and I'm never going to understand it, but the curiosity I think was the key. I love that. And I think that is so perfectly said. And I, I really, that just, I think is just sums up. Um, thank you, Sonia, you guys. I mean, cause that is very, very cool. So David, what advice can you give someone that has a crazy idea that they know many people are going to say, don't do it. You're crazy. <laughs> what advice do you have for them? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if somebody had said to me, Juliet, a couple of years ago, hey, I have an idea for you. Why don't you um, go really deep with 15 people and uncover their stories and take the responsibility and the burden of putting their life story in 20 or 25 pages? And then why don't you get on your bike and like bike around the country for 45 days and 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 beat yourself up physically, emotionally, and every other way. Um, I would have looked at him and said, you know, like get the hell out of my house, dude. Like, what the hell are you talking about? But when it's something that you want to do, and you and and you're not doing it for them, you're not doing it for it's because somebody asked you to, because somebody told you to, because somebody expects you to. But you're doing it for you. It, on a certain level, it kind of just becomes easy. It's like I, I set the goal. It's like, you know, when you, when you want to go run a 10 K or you, you want to go do a charitable event or something and, and you don't tell anybody, it's easier to back out. But, but when you tell someone, um, you, you know, it's hard to let them down. And if you're looking in the mirror, telling yourself like, dude, you're going to do this thing. Don't let, don't let anybody down. Like, wow, that's, it's, that's awesome. So for, for, I'd say for anybody that has anything that seems like a stretch goal or a way outside of your comfort zone, but you just feel in your heart that you want to do it. I mean, there, there really aren't any limitations and there, there's no reason why you can't do it. So be fortunate enough to find somebody that supports you 
and uh, go do it. I, I'll add, I like to interpret what David says. My spouse doesn't like to do that. Um, <laughs> I think that, I think how I see, um, what lesson I learn, I guess, from, from seeing him do this stuff is, and he touched on it, is when you believe you want to do it and you can accept that you believe you want to do it and you say it out there, you know, he's saying, don't let people down, but you look yourself in the mirror and you respect yourself enough to let your own self down and then lean into it and enjoy the hell out of it. And when people say you're crazy, have fun with it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love, I mean, this together, I, I really need to meet you guys in person. And I know that will happen one day, but I do want to end with this one part um, because I think it is really important. And I, again, want to bring back that David, you know, was talking about that he was not super spiritual um about the 11s oh my gosh uh, I <laughs> I, see one of the issues that we have is my stories go on way too long juliet she says i get to the point get to the point <laughs> and, no but i well i have to pause for a second the thing that i find fascinating is though that david is in the financial world and when you know someone in finance you think that they're very like to the point and this and that but david is such a creative that like when i tell you he when you guys you have to listen to 179 to know what his career is you're gonna be like wait i'm so this is so like a square fitting in a, what is that circle like but it's so interesting because yep. it does but so just tell it very short and then okay, and then I'll we'll short. so near the end of my sister's life she kept seeing all these ones uh oh it's like 111 i i, I you know it, whatever she was just seeing ones everywhere and she called me up one day and she said like i'm seeing these ones and i don't know if you know this but i uh, you know i was on the phone when our dad died i was on the phone with him and he died at 111 and so maybe that's him and looking over me he's my guardian angel whatever and so i was like ah that's kind of silly but okay i'll let you have that i mean you know how am I going to tell you no? And then after June passed, um, like literally, like the first grade school classroom my kids had was room 111. And we would uh, go for a bike ride and we went 11.1 miles. And we would come home from a vacation and pull into the driveway and it'd be 11.11. And I'm like, come on, man. That's completely stupid. And so this was going on forever and it's become this long drawn out like 11s must mean well okay in some way i guess june's looking out for us right that's cool so we write the book and and it goes you know i write it i rewrite it aaron edits it i, I rewrite it i send it to the editor they rewrite it back and forth to the publisher back and forth they, they lay it out the copyright editor it goes through a million different versions one day I'm at home working late and I get a, I get a call from a, a text from a friend. He says like, dude, that was pretty cool about June and the, and the 11s. And I go, yeah, yeah, good story. Right. And she goes, no, no, no. Like, that's really cool what you did with it. And I go, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? Like, what the, what the heck? And she goes, what do you mean? And I go, I, what, what do you mean? And she goes, go get your book. I go, yeah. She goes, open it up to the story about the ones. I go, yeah, yeah. And she goes, look at the end of the chapter. I go, yeah. She goes, what page is that on? One eleven, so crazy. I get like such the chills. So and it, what? Impossible. I mean, absolutely impossible. When when he he showed me a same, it just chills. What? It's just it's not possible. It's impossible to have. <laughs> I couldn't have contrived that anyway because there's 15 hands on a book, laying it out and and changing it and editing which chapter goes where and what story. It's not possible. So I so get crazy. You just got to go. Okay. All right. I'm just going to be open to what the universe gives me. 
Well, and that's the thing. And if anyone looks up, you guys can go like their ones and 11s are like angel signs. And it really is really cool. Cause when David told me about that for like days before though, before I think it was an even, I even interviewed you and I'm not like into numerology really. I like astrology universe, like spiritual I am, but I'm not like just, I don't know. I, I will sometimes look at it and be like, Oh, interesting. But I don't know that much about it. But days before I kept, um, I kept seeing 11s and 1s. And I was like, this is so weird. And I actually looked it up. And then David was like, said something about the 11s. And I was like, wait, why? What did, what did you just say with that? And I hadn't read that chapter yet. Isn't this weird? And I hadn't read the chapter yet. And then he said, my sister with the 11s. And I read it. And I was like, holy crap. That's so weird. I literally was having dreams, like vivid dreams about 11s. And, and there's like a whole... I was like, I kind of put it to something else. Like I was like, oh, that must be blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, no, that is me just like, you know, the kind of universe spirit, whatever, solidifying that this David and I need to have this interview or whatever. It was just so freaking cool. And I guess it was June. Incredible. <laughs> that's cra- and crazy, right? Yeah, it's just that's crazy. incredible. It's crazy. And I think even in our text chain, I think you even said, I was like, what is that? Because oh. I've been seeing that, right? I mean, you know why? Because after we were talking about it, I think like you sent me a note or something and we finished and I go, hey, look what time that text went through. The text went through at 11, 11. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I said to you, I've been seeing eleven, eleven. Yeah. That's so weird. And you're like, oh, wait until you get it into the book. It was something like yeah, that. And I was like, like that. and you know, I mean, there's some people listening that are like, wow, the three of you are stupid. <laughs> because, because I, like, how do you not understand what the heck is going on? Right. But we, and I don't know, maybe we're just fresh souls or something that I'm just like, all right, whatever. You know, and somebody else is like, boy, you guys are dumb. <laughs> you should know that this is this is the way of the world. Right. Or whatever. Right. And then there's also going to be people listening being like, okay, Luna Tunes, where do you guys like, have you seen your unicorn? Are you riding out on your unicorn? (laughs) That's where I was going with it. Yeah. Yes. Well, I just have to say, this has been amazing. I'm sorry for the delays in the beginning, but I knew it was going to be so worth it. And I knew the universe was going to make it happen. So, um, you know, thank you, Aaron and David, so, so much. And truly, I cannot wait to meet you guys in person because I just feel like we are connected. And Aaron, even going like talking to David, I remember asking, him so many questions about you like well okay when would when did you meet Aaron when did you guys get married after like watching you know I mean reading the book because I was so curious of the timetable of how it all played out and it really you guys are doing some beautiful beautiful things and keep it up thank you Juliet really appreciate you yeah thank you thank you very much for having us and having me again it's really a great honor talking to you I appreciate it Yes. And I, it's going to happen probably so many more times. So, <laughs> And this won't be so glitchy. Everyone, thank you for joining in, whether you're here on LinkedIn, Twitch, or YouTube. Thank you for joining your next stop live here, live on Fireside. Again, thank you so much, David and Aaron. And you guys, seriously, go get the book. You can either do it on Audible or you can purchase it, but all the proceeds go to cancer research. I mean, what not? You, give it to someone gifted. It. It's not a book that you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is too emotional. There's so many ups and downs, but it's really a, um, a powerful, powerful piece. And so again, thank you guys for joining your next stop live. Enjoy the rest of the week. Oh, good. We got good music going out. <laughs> Bye everyone. Thank you. See you next week. It's no secret.